This TFMR podcast is brought to you by your friends at JM Bullion. Visit jmbullion.com for all your gold and silver bullion needs. Well, greetings, everybody. It is Thursday, January the 26th, and it is time for another Thursday conversation, your free public podcast audio for the week, where we always try to bring in a mover and a shaker, uh, someone that can add some insight and um, give us some valuable information. Well, we certainly have that this this week. I've got Rick Rule on the line, legendary investor, speculator, uh, and uh, now retired, as they say, but he runs uh, his own company, Rule Investment Media now, and he's got something special to announce. And I got a couple of questions we're going to discuss about silver and the like. So let's dig in. Rick, thank you for joining me. Always a pleasure, Craig. Uh, Craig. I enjoy these sessions. We always have fun, and it's always fun to get your insights because um, you've been at this for quite a while, and you've certainly made more money at it than I have, and so there's always something to learn from you. Uh, to that end, let's start with what's coming up on February the 11th. Um, under your rural investment media uh, umbrella, you've got the Silver Investors Boot Camp. What can you tell everybody about that? <clears throat> Well, many of your listeners probably attended last year's Uranium Investment Boot Camp, which this is modeled on. For those who weren't, uh, the boot camps are designed to be eight to nine hour long, uh, virtual, which is to say online educational programs that will give beginning investors and experienced investors uh, most of what they need to know about investing in a certain subject, be it uranium or silver, at one setting. Because eight or eight and a half hours is a very long time, we make uh, copies of the event available for attendees so that they can visit or revisit the material over a six-month period of time. As an example, with the Uranium Boot Camp, despite the fact that I know the material fairly well and I put on the conference, I've revisited the conference <laughs> in its entirety four times <laughs> uh -huh. since, the, since the original posting. <clears throat> so what will be there? Well, first of all, an overview of the silver market, a very thorough discussion of the silver market so that people have a foundation around the subject. The sources of silver, most people don't know that silver mines produce less than 18% of primary sil silver supply. The uses for silver, uh, including, as an example, solar, pow solar power and increasingly biomedical and water treatment. The structure of the silver investment market, tips for those people who buy and store silver, as an example, uh, a description of the hypothecated uh, silver products, which is to say the ETFs, the Sprott Silver Trusts, uh, things like that. The introduction of a very new, exciting uh, lending product for people who own physical okay. silver. In other words, a discussion of most aspects of physical silver. And of course, a discussion of the silver equities, but not a discussion like you'll see at most conferences. Ours will have an overview from the living legends, the living legends being entrepreneurs who built multi-billion dollar public silver companies from scratch about the process of building a company, about the lessons that they learned building the company and how those lessons impact the way they themselves 
invest today. We will have analysts with 20s and 20 and 30 years experience in the sector, not people who five years ago didn't know how to spell silver. We'll have presentations from silver portfolio managers who have managed silver portfolios for two decades. To uh, paraphrase the movie, having been through the good, the bad, and the truly <laughs> ugly markets. We will have a couple or, or several public company exhibitors, <clears throat> but unlike most conferences, these exhibitors have to be owned in accounts that I own or manage myself. Aha. Sadly, Craig, the fact that I own them is no guarantee that they go up in price. <laughs> I, know that, I know that. The guarantee that, exists that I know them well enough that I have invested my own money <clears throat> in them. In most competing products, or projects, the qualification to be an exhibitor is merely a check that cashes. Right. Uh, in my case, the check that has been cashed is mine. To top it all off, all of this information is cheap. It's 99 US dollars. And as I say, oh, oh uh, I should say one other thing. You will also have the opportunity, if you want, to have one-on-one -on -one meetings with any of the exhibitors, be they bullion dealers uh, or companies, you don't have to ask your questions in the in the immediate surroundings of a thousand of your closest friends at the conference. You can do right. it by yourself. But the conference will be available for six months. Like every other investment education product that I have sponsored for the last 30 years of my career, this one comes with an ironclad money back guarantee. If you don't think you got your $99 worth, email me. I'll give you your $99 back. Uranium Investors Bootcamp, we had 3,200 and something attendees. I think we had 30 uh, refund requests. And three of those were from people who said, frankly, that the information was over their heads. In other words, we gave them too much information. Right. Not a bad complaint. Not at all. And you're always going to get the 1%, right? They're something that's fantastic rick and again we have to lose for god's sake and it's there for six months if you need to refer back to it as we go through the year um this is a no-brainer i'm going to put a link on this page uh so it's very easy to sign up and if you use the link you know yours truly gets a little kamishki out of the deal too so by all means use the link uh but that's not the point the point is 99 dollars 10 bucks an hour 12 bucks an hour rick Maybe correct. I mean, correct. crying out loud. Um, and even and by if, the way, if you're a serious investor or a serious speculator, you will play the conference back. Right, no doubt. Oh, you'd be foolish not to. You would be foolish not to. Even when you're a part, that's the problem with like going to a conference in person. You'll hear something unless you're taking diligent notes all day. Which who does that? You'll get done. You go, oh, what did that guy say? I was in that breakout session and. I mean, this having it recorded, refer back to it for six months, especially with the year that we have ahead. I just think this is extraordinarily valuable. Uh, like for me, I can't, I can't watch it that day. That's the day before the Super Bowl. I'm going to be, uh, I have other plans that day, uh, Rick. <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, great. I, again, I, I can't encourage uh, people strong enough to sign up and be a part of it. Um, Rick, I would imagine <clears throat> we'll get to uranium in a second and how that. You know, you're still having interest there, but why? Obviously, you were excited about uranium, and you did the uh, boot camp, and uranium is still a fabulous story. 
why are you doing silver now in uh, February of 2023? Well, Craig, it's interesting. I asked my subscriber list at Rural Investment Media what subject they wanted me to cover next <laughs> after uranium. We said, any natural resource topic that you want to talk about, we'll talk about. What do you want to talk about? And the overwhelming favorite was silver. There's a lot of disinformation in the silver market. There are a lot of people who understand the narrative around silver, but they don't understand the facts. They don't understand what silver supply is like. They don't understand the impact of the fact that in futures markets, 250 times the good delivery silver available trades every day in the silver market. Uh, and what that what impact that might have on their silver holdings. So there's a lot of interest in silver. At the same time, there's a lot of misinformation around silver. Once we learned how to teach these courses from the Uranium Investors Bootcamp, our confidence in our own ability to deliver real value to our attendees increased. And after that, it was a very simple case of letting my customers tell me how I could serve them better. What topic would you like to talk about? Would you like to talk about oil and gas? Would you like to talk about gold? You know, would you like to talk about rare earth elements or industrial materials? Top of the list by a country mile was silver. So silver it is. The customer's always right. <laughs> That's yeah, yes. Rule number one. Rule number one. You're rule number one, if you ask me. Um, all right. So we sit here at the beginning of this year. Um, prices rallied 40%. Yep. Since the first of September, and so now it's kind of consolidating, which drives people crazy. But it's always going to work that way. Uh, you don't just go straight up. Um, but the fundamentals, I mean, between the Silver Institute, you know, with their latest report about the supply deficit, or or just, geez, Rick, I'm sure you've seen the charts. I mean, every metal above the ground stocks of every metal, copper, zinc, lead, nickel, I mean, they all seem to be dwindling to almost a crisis point i mean are all are all part of the this all part of what uh you know outside of people wanting a silver symposium is this all part of what's kind of piquing your interest right now i think the relationship between silver and other materials is less important to what i'm going to talk about in this conference with the exception of the fact <clears throat> that most people don't understand that most silvers produces a byproduct of producing other metals right uh, and as uh, new mined copper production declines, new mined zinc production declines, new mined lead production declines, new mined silver production will, will decline too. So we will talk about the structure. But really what interests me, Craig, about the silver market, other than the fact that my customers like it, is the fact that the broad market doesn't like it. Yeah. I love to be in a place that's out of favor. I love to compete in a race where there are very few people running. I have participated, Craig, in three prior silver bull markets, and they have all been epic. So I would describe my relationship with silver uh, as that I have been a beneficiary of silver markets. I remember my first silver bull market where I was too poor to participate at the beginning, which is to say the 1970 to 1981 market. <clears throat> the silver price went from a buck and a quarter to 50 bucks. Uh, I wasn't late to the 1990 silver market, however, and in that market, the price went from what, four bucks to 50 bucks <laughs> or the most recent market, which went from, let's say, 15 bucks to 50 bucks. What's extravagant about these markets, Craig, isn't merely the move in silver. 
and the move that you can make owning physical silver, but rather the leveraged move if you have the courage that you can make in the silver stocks. Right. Uh, so we'll talk about that and we'll talk about how to differentiate the good, the bad and the ugly. But I also think that uh, on a less timeless basis, that our timing is right. Uh, I, I think that the wind is in precious metal sales. And in past markets, in my life, the fear buyer, the gold buyer has led the bull market. After the precious metals narrative has been established by momentum in gold, silver, because of its lower unit cost and higher volatility, begins to move further and faster. I love the fact that we are coming into what I think is a silver epoch as opposed to epic, a silver epoch. Uh, and the public belief in silver, the public interest in silver, the public demand for silver is non-existent. Certainly around the silver aficionados, the up move in silver prices has pulses running. But if you look at the general financial press, if you look at online discussion groups around investing in general, most of these people can't spell silver. <laughs> right. right. Three times before in my life, the narrative around silver has attracted the generalist investor. And in each of those occasions, the market capitalization of the silver market, particularly the silver's equities market, couldn't handle the amount of money that came in. And the upside in that market as a consequence of demand that swamped supply, either for physical silver or for silver equities, has generated returns for me that have made me patient enough to hang out for years to enjoy them again. I just happen to believe that the wait is over or nearly over. So I think that this discussion is particularly topical, given where we find ourselves in financial markets. You mentioned um, the leverage that's out there, you know, and uh, the alchemy really that's been performed since 1975, at least, you know, when the London gold pool failed and uh, all efforts to peg price through, you know, a physical market, it kind of had to give up because there just wasn't enough gold laying around versus the money supply. And so, you, you know, you get this alchemy, this leverage, this rehypothecation whether it's futures contracts or, you know, ETFs or unallocated accounts or whatever. I, yeah, I, I, I can't help but think about the people, especially on my site that, you know, that look at the, you know, what still seems to be driving price, at least during, you know, US hours, and that's the futures trading. And it's this, you know, this levered bull of nothing. It's just these contracts where nobody ever stands for delivery and you know, they're bought on margin, which is money that the speculators don't have. And it's metal sold by, uh, the banks or the issuers of the contracts that, that metal they don't have, you know, and they just trade back and forth. Do you think, I mean, is that going to continue to be a hit the, the case, do you think, especially in light of the, you know, those convictions last year of, you know, the spoofing trials and all that kind of stuff. Do you think we get to a point where there's less um, control, less, I don't know what the right influence from the, futures trading, the, you know, the derivative trading and more of the physical trading? Well, Craig, that's a huge topic. So let's try to take it from the top. Uh, the first thing is that the people who are on the short side in silver, and let's suggest just for a moment that they're legitimate. 
have had an easy time for the last 40 years. Yeah. And some are, Rick. Interest rates, interest rates have been falling. Uh, Inflation was falling. The attractiveness of other savings instruments, but in particular, the U.S. 10-year treasury was rising and the U.S. dollar was rising, which was to say that we went through a 30-year, 40-year period with two punctuations, two that went the wrong way for the bears, but it worked out for them. The right way to be if you were an institutional investor on the silver side was short. Right. Yeah. You had you had some <clears throat> religious moments where the market worked against you twice. But the truth is that the wind was on your sails. We're in a different circumstance now. We're not in a declining interest rate environment. We're in an increasing interest rate environment. But despite the fact that we're in an increasing interest rate environment, we still have negative real interest rates, which is to say that the real interest rate on the U.S. dollar uh, in the 10-year treasury market means that you lose 3.5% of your purchasing power a year. The main competitor for precious metals in savings and investment markets now is return-free risk. It's unattractive. So I believe that precious metals markets will do well. And I believe as a current, as a consequence of that, that the relatively riskless nature facing the short trade is gone. In other words, the wind is no longer at their sails. Right. There were circumstances, I think, were in a generally declining market that the leverage allowed the short interests access to cheap capital, which I think is going to go away. But in particular, because the general trend was down, their trade was relative to certain other trades riskless. I think that's over. I I think it's completely over. With regards to manipulation, it's very important that your listeners hear this. I am not a believer that there has been a 10-year period of manipulation or a 20-year period of manipulation, that the big thinkers of the world conspired against silver on a multi-decade basis. But I have been involved in financial markets all of my life, Craig. All financial markets are manipulated. The euro dollar market is manipulated. The U.S. Treasury market has been manipulated in the near term. And I remember myself, Craig, in the 1970s when precious metals markets were in the short term manipulated to the upside, Mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. These banks will do what's in their best interest. And what's in their best interest is the easiest thing to do. You will note that the conviction of the J.P. Morgan Chase guys was mostly around spoofing, which is a short-term trading technique. Yes. The evidence of that was in the market, Craig. It was really easy to see if you, on a grander basis. If you see uh, uh, paper markets that are many, many, many times, say a thousand times with regards to outstanding obligation, uh, the amount of collateral at hand, And then overnight in the physical market, you see a large physical sale at a period of time when the volume in the market is lowest. You understand that the seller wasn't trying to maximize the yield on the metal that they sold, but rather they were trying to make an outsize impact on the physical market so that they could manipulate in a leveraged fashion the impact that that would have on a three or a four year 
futures contract. Yeah. That game, both as a consequence of the prosecutions, <laughs> where the perpetrators of the spoofing game, uh, you know, went to the big house, uh, but also uh, with regards to the fact that the wind is not in their sails anymore, that the wind is in silver sails rather right. than financial sails, right. means that the ability to manipulate silver to the downside is less. And the incentive to manipulate silver to the upside is greater. At the end of the day, it's where the profit is. You know, Correct. Rick, I'm I'm with you. I have uh, I have felt now for a decade that it's it, it when you see manipulation, whether it's through the spoofing or not, it's mainly when they can, and it's it's to the just this basic selfish greed profit of a trading desk. I, I don't see. I never did see it as some big, you know big grand scheme. I I'll take uh, Bernanke or Greenspan at their word. They could care less about what Silver's doing. It's the bank. You know, it's maybe a trading desk that's that's greedily monopolizing control. And that, I guess that's what gets to the question about can it now? And I think you put it eloquently. It's just not in there. The risk profile is not, especially with declining stockpiles, is not. It's not it, to their benefit to play it only to the short side or to predominantly to the short side. It's it's more, hey, maybe we can have some fun going the other way. And we see upside manipulation all the time, too. Craig, you, it, gets, it gets riskier for them every day. The right. Future, the futures markets are markedly less liquid than they were 30 correct. three years ago. So <clears throat> their ability to cover in the market is less. And Rick, I'm the sure volume, you saw. The I'm volume sure. to cover. The volume to cover is worse, which is to say the drawdown in the silver pile means that the amount available for good delivery long and short is less. Yes. The risk you... of a market failure is higher at the same time that the wind is in silver sales. And make no mistake, despite the fact that silver has been fairly tepid, retail demand for silver during and after, including to today, retail demand for silver, for physical silver, which is silver that is taken out of good for delivery inventories and put into private hands continues to grow. Yes. Yes. And Rick, I would tweet one last thing to your point. <clears throat> I'm sure you've been reading Zoldan Posar's work, right? At Credit Correct. Suisse. And the thing that caught my eye the most in his most recent missive about a month ago was he called it a, this re across, not just silver or gold metals markets in, in, in general, that rehop rehypothecation leverage is he called it an existential threat to some of these banks and maybe even the system itself. I mean, if he sees it, you know, on his from his mainstream perch in Credit Suisse, then you know that uh, the orders have got to be coming down from on high from some of these banks that fiddle around with taking that risk uh, to maybe they want to get you know get out of it. Well, Craig, you're seeing that in all financial markets, not just silver. True. Yes. You, mm -hmm. you saw not too long ago when the interest rate rose, which hurts long bond prices, rising interest rates hurts the capitalized value of long term uh, dividend streams. You saw a real crisis in the London gilt market. Yep. It happened both because of a deterioration in the price of long bonds, but because miraculously some of the biggest investors in the world were lending long, which is to say they were buying 30-year uh, gilts and they were using overnight credit markets to fund it. When <laughs> the price of overnight money rose at the same time that the value of the collateral fell, 
of course there was a crisis. Yeah. And right. we are seeing these carry trades where people are making long-term investments with short-term funding. Uh, we're seeing them pollute financial markets to the tune of trillions of dollars in every possible asset class, including, of course, silver. <laughs> uh, and the systemic damage the systemic risk that you see at every level is very high, yeah, uh, yeah. very, very high. From an investor's point of view, there's a whole bunch of interesting things here. The first is get out of the way of that. Mm -hmm. uh, do not own a junk bond ETF, <clears throat> just especially a junk bond ETF. If you own a bond ETF and your ETF is using leverage to enhance the yield, sell get out of the way. But also, if you are holding physical possession of an asset where arguably the price of the asset has been held down as a consequence of both of declining interest rates, but also as a consequence of hypothecation and rehypothecation, the probability is that any market disruption that occurs in that circumstance is to your benefit rather than to your detriment. I'm not saying it's going to happen. But what I am saying is that the tail can't continue to wag the dog right, for too right. much longer. Right. right. Well, I think you've laid it out. I mean, Rick, <clears throat> what better time to have this boot camp and what, I mean, mandatory attendance, if you ask me. I mean, it, whether you're coming at it from a monetary policy standpoint and the impacts this year, whether you're coming at it from a physical metal demand standpoint and the impacts this year, whether you're coming at it from just the impacts of maybe less participation in the same old games by the same old actors. Either way, I mean, the, like you said, get out of the way, let it happen and educate yourself. And this is a great way to do it. I, I'm monopolizing your time, but I, I want I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about my second favorite metal at this point, and that, that's uranium. Um, I've, I've diversified a little bit. I think it's very fun. I think the story is extraordinary. Uh, and remains it so. And you know, the baseball analogy is tired, right? But geez, Louise, Rick, I don't see how we're anywhere other than about the first inning of this this next phase in uranium. That uranium boot camp was wonderful um, and very helpful. I would imagine uh, your update to the sector is probably just continues on with all the fundamentals from last year. But I, I got to hear what you have to say about uranium as 2023 begins. You know, Craig, it's just getting easier and easier. Uh, there are some new adherents to uranium who have been worn out because the thesis hasn't played out in six months. Right. Just like life never does. Right. Um, I have said for years that I, that this was a when circumstance, not an if circumstance, meaning that it had to occur, but I didn't know when. And for myself, I identified the catalyst as the resumption of Japanese restarts. Well, now I have a date. The resumption of Japanese restarts, which will be about a two-year program, begins in 2023, <laughs> which is to say now. Right. It's important to note in uranium that we are using more uranium now worldwide than we did before the Fukushima disaster, which is to say the Fukushima hangover is past us. Yep. It's important to note, too, that the supply overhang uh, engendered by the Fukushima disaster has also been largely used up, both because we have used more uranium than we have produced for a long time, 
but also because Sprott went into the market and bought 55 million pounds of uranium, which went to supply heaven. What is interesting now is that there's an increasing realization among many of the responsible members of the so-called environmental crowd that the best worldwide supply of reasonably priced baseload non-carbon generating energy is nuclear power. So you have, as an example, the co-founder of the Sierra Club becoming, not the Sierra Club, I'm sorry, uh, Greenpeace, uh -huh. becoming decidedly pro-nuclear. You see popular opinion in Japan go from 75, from 70% 70 anti-nuclear to 62% pro-nuclear. Um, all of which goes to say that the set of circumstances that we described as an eventuality uh, are much more proximal now, much more close now. And improving, right? I mean, yep. the, the, remember the, the trend is your friend, right? Um, I, I find it remarkable. I, I The hardest part is it, because it's still kind of a small market, you know, finding places to invest. You mentioned like the physical uranium trust. There are some good companies. There's that URA ETF. Um, I, it begs the question, I, and I didn't ask, didn't tell you I was going to ask you this. So maybe, maybe the answer is no. But do you still accept emails from people saying uh, you'll rate their 10 stocks for them? Absolutely, positively, not 10, 25. Gosh, well, shit. Well, okay, any of, then here's any of your any of your listeners who care what I think about natural resources, and in particular, <laughs> personalizing it, their own portfolios, go to ruleinvestmentmedia.com, list your natural resource stocks. Please no pot stocks. Please no crypto. Please no tech yeah. stocks. I'll rank them personally, one to ten. If I've got like a uranium stock, I can throw that in yep. there. Yep. I yep. mean, how else would you know, you know, what you've got unless you ask an expert like Rick Rule? So you go to Rural Investment Media and they're what, there's a drop down or is there an email Rick feature or something? Uh, when you go in, you list your stocks, there is a drop down. Okay. And sometimes you won't find your stock on the drop down. That means I don't know it or don't have an opinion on it. <laughs> you know, there's there's 3000 of these things worldwide. We follow our our team follows about 800 of them. And, and of course, you just load them into that chat GT or whatever, right? And it automatically cranks out some opinion, right? No, yep. no, this is Rick Rule himself that does this, right? We update the rankings database constantly. I mean, come on now. This is why wouldn't you do that? I mean, I'm talking to everybody listening to us. And, Wait, and should, why? And, I and should can, also say any of your holders who own physical precious metals and would like the ability ultimately to borrow against them. Right. Setting up a bank to do just that. Right. So at the rankings database, where it has questions and comments, if you're interested ultimately in opening an account where you can borrow against your precious metals holdings, click bank. This function is coming soon. You're going to, so you what, you get, get some information on it and uh, get yeah, on we'll, a we'll, email we'll list. You you know when... li we'll put you on the mailing list for battle bank. Uh, as soon as we get our federal charter, we're working on agreements now with all of the major metals dealers so that uh, silver or gold that you hold at, say, Brinks or Loomis or Viamat, uh, we will be able to lend you money against. You can use the money to, you know, for whatever purpose you want. Buy more gold or silver is what most people do. 
but whatever you want. If you want access to some liquidity with your physical gold and silver inventories, when you go to ruleinvestmentmedia.com, in the comments section, just write in bank. I would think that's pretty handy, you know, so you don't have to actually sell and part ways within your metal because you want to, you know, you want to improve your house or something, whatever. I mean, what a great way to lever that metal without liquidating it. That's fabulous, Rick. I mean, again, you are a tireless advocate uh, for our side. And I, 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 I feel like I'm like overselling or something, but I'm not. This is just my enthusiasm. You know, everybody listening, how I feel about this year and remaining patient and letting it all play out. But geez, in terms of getting ahead of the game and, and mentally preparing, how can you not join Rick and everyone on February the 11th? So uh, one more time, right here on this page, I'll put a link that you can go and sign up. And uh, gosh, I just strongly encourage everybody to do it. And Rick, all I ask is that you come back uh, a few more times this year and let us know how things are going and share with us your current thoughts. I look forward to it, Craig. Thank you so much for the opportunity to visit with your audience. Always fun and always helpful. And thank you so much for coming by. And thank everybody for listening. And we'll have another Thursday conversation for you next week. Music.